Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And daughter, do death. Hi, Phoebe. Hi, Dad. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Um, So much true crime news this week. There is a lot of true crime news this week. I wonder if it's the weather, the summer. I don't know. Don't know. Seems to be a lot of it at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, earlier this week, there was one case reported very local to here in an area we know well, uh, Mm -hmm. the Purton area of Wolverhampton. A woman, I think you've done some reading about this as well, haven't you? But uh, Yes, um, Joma Girare was found set on fire in a lay-by. Yeah. Um, And at the time when they reported it, they thought that she was a young woman, didn't they? Yeah, Um, teen or early 20s. Teen or early 20s, and she was really badly burnt. And she's actually 52. Wow. So, you know, that that goes somewhere to show how badly burnt she was. But, yeah, I think I I read something earlier to say that that they were arrested a couple of people in connection with this. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what caused them to do such a horrific thing yeah and and the road along that stretch is still closed three or four days oh, later. really so i think the forensic uh, the forensic team are still picking over it looking for evidence i suppose yep. yeah we'll watch that case with interest i am yeah, i'm sure definitely. also today the police have established that esther dingley's death in the pyrenees was an accident yes which is i don't want to say good news but pretty good that she she wasn't murdered indeed yes so uh well it's a sad case uh and also in the last day or so there's been the awful news coming from plymouth of a gunman who went on a bit of a a spree we were talking Mm. about spree murderers uh yeah in our last episode weren't we a 22 year old guy who seems to have got some sort of issues, who's probably desperate for help, like so many people are, yeah. as we're finding in our, as we delve into all these various cases. And ironically, he couldn't get any, even though he's putting videos on YouTube and, and all sorts. Snapped yesterday, killed his mother, and then killed four random people. Yeah. Sadly, including a three-year-old child and a father and two other people, and then himself, all in the space of a few minutes. Awful, isn't it? And I think awful. So, yeah, <laughs> with all this very current true crime news, um, yeah, a bit of a somber start to this episode. But um, nevertheless, I've got a a tale to tell from around about a hundred years ago. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. So this is the story of Edith Thompson and Frederick Bywaters. Edith Thompson. She was born Edith Jessie. Graydon. She was born on the 25th of December, Christmas Day, in 1893. She was born in an area called Dulston, which is northeast London, sort of in the Hackney direction. And she was the eldest of five children. Her father, William, was a clerk with Imperial Tobacco, the Imperial Tobacco Company. And her mother was called Ethel, and she was the daughter of a police constable. Now, Edith was a talented dancer. She enjoyed acting at school and was academically very bright. She was very good at arithmetic. Anyway, she left school in 1909, which 
for that time, it was quite, oh, she was 16 when she yeah, left school. That so when, when kids were leaving school at 14, 15 or whatever, she was, she was 16. Okay. Because she was academically bright, I guess she made the, uh, the most of that. And she got a job at a clothing factory called Louis London, which was based in the Allgate area of London, which is pretty much central London now. Well, it was then, I suppose, but uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. right in the centre. Uh, and then a couple of years later, she moved to a company called Carlton and Pryor, who, are, who were a wholesale milliners. Nice. And Edith quickly established a reputation for being stylish and intelligent. And she was quite quickly promoted up through various jobs. Until in the end, she became the chief buyer for oh, this company. Cool. Yeah, yeah, she's quite a senior role in the yeah. organisation, which um, involved trips to Paris to visit oh, the fashion lovely. fashion houses and <laughs> shows and things. So she had a really good professional life. That's a great and, job. Uh, yeah, and she was earning quite good money, and um, yeah, and she was good at it, and she was well respected. Now. Going, winding back a bit to 1909, the year that she left school, she met boy, boy at the time, <laughs> called Percy, Percy Thompson. Okay. And he was 18 at the time. So he was three years, two or three years older than she was. And they had a six year relationship and engagement. Oh, wow. And were eventually married on the 15th of January, 1916. Okay. Percy was a shipping clerk. It was a steady, regular job. He liked the idea of going to work, bringing home money and being able to set up a, a life for, That's cool. for him and his wife. And he wanted to start a family. And uh, he was quite a traditional man. Very, very steady. And I guess that sort of job would have stopped him from having to go to war. It could well have done. Yeah. After they were married, they lived in Westcliff, which is South End on Sea. So that's very, yes. very east of London. Yeah. Um, but Essex. after, <laughs> uh, yeah, it is Essex, I suppose, <laughs> South End on Sea. So they, they moved to there in 1916. But then in 1920, July 1920, they'd, uh, they were both doing very well, comfortable lifestyle. They moved to Ilford, okay. which is again, sort of northeast London, quite a fashionable area at the time and they lived at 41 Kensington Gardens in Ilford. Sounds like a posh address. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't it? Kensington Kensington Gardens always sounds posh. Yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. Also in 1920 the, the couple became very friendly with a guy called Frederick Bywaters. Now he was born in 1902, June 1902. So he was a bit younger than both of them. In fact, he was only like 18 at the time that they met up. Um, he was already known to the family. He'd already been dating Edith's younger sister for a little while. Okay. And he had also been friends with Edith's youngest brothers at school. Right. So, so they knew each other. They'd known each other for a long time. But uh, he became quite large in their lives. Okay. Now, Frederick Bywaters had enlisted in the Merchant Navy, okay. and Edith was very attracted to 
him because of his exciting lifestyle. He was impulsive. He had interesting stories to tell of, of trips abroad and the plans that he'd got. And she was actually finding Percy somewhat dull and uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't know quite how her life with him was going to pan out. He was also very handsome. Um, you know, he's not about 18, 19. And uh, things were starting to uh, become interesting between the two of them. So this is 1920, and uh, they're just sort of friends, and he's friendly with the rest of Edith's family. Uh, and in 1921, they decide to go on holiday to Shanklin on the Isle of Wight. And, and they all got on very well. And when they got back to London after the holiday, Percy actually suggested that Frederick moved in with them by way of a lodger. Right, OK. He could pay them a bit of rent and... Um, He'd have somewhere to live. But what Percy didn't realise was this friendship between mm. Edith and Frederick had got a little bit more than just a friendship. In fact, they had indeed started an affair. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Were they a throuple? Or were they just no, 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 no. Okay. Percy was completely oblivious. Percy was quite... Oh, poor Percy. Yeah, <laughs> poor Percy. Barely a month after Frederick moved in with them in their house in Ilford, a bit of an argument broke out one afternoon between Percy and Edith about something or other. I think she okay. was just getting frustrated. And and um, this argument resulted in Percy actually striking out at Edith. <gasps> Frederick stood up for her and told him to back down. Percy wasn't at all happy. Um, about this and in the heat of the moment Percy ordered Frederick Bywaters to leave the house and then that was it so off he went was that the end of the affair no we shall find out (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna go with a no so this is still 1921 the summer of 1921 in September of that year Frederick went to sea for a whole year not returning until 1922. Now, during that time, Edith and he corresponded regularly. Uh, In fact, there were some 50 or 60 letters that they sent to each other, well, particularly that she sent to him. And and in some of them, she explained how desperately sad she was in her relationship with with Percy and sort of um, exploring ways in which perhaps Percy might not, necessarily be in her life anymore okay should we say like they could get a divorce they could get a divorce yeah (laughs) in september 1922 frederick comes back from his year at sea full of tales of exciting places he's been to and bet he was full of all sorts coming back from a year (laughs) of sea in the merchant navy yeah uh, and uh, Edith was very pleased to see him. And, of course, when they met up again, things started to uh, yeah, rekindle in their in their affair. So yeah. he was now 20. She was 28. On the evening of the 3rd of October 1922, so just a few weeks after he'd come back and, yeah. uh, and she'd uh, met up with him again, Edith and Percy went to see a show in the West End of London at the Criterion Theatre in Piccadilly Circus. I don't know what the show was, (laughs) (laughs) but I believe Edith's uncle and aunt was also with them on that evening. Okay. So Edith and Percy got the tube back from Piccadilly Circus, back out to Ilford, 
Uh, and then they had to walk from Ilford Station back to their house, which was okay. yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a walk. And as they walked along, a man <laughs> jumped out from some bushes right near their home. Oh, no. And started beating up Percy, shall oh, we no. say? Poor Percy. Yeah. Edith was heard to shout, don't, don't, oh, don't, don't. Uh, and in all the tussle of it all, Edith got knocked to the ground. Okay. The fight got out of hand. The assailant pulled out a knife and stabbed Percy. Oh, Edith, no. Edith was in bits, crying out for help. A neighbour came, called for police. Edith was hysterical. Help eventually came, but when they did, Percy was found to be dead. Oh, no. Lying there on the pavement, not far from their home. Poor Percy. Yeah. So the next day, the police wanted to interview Edith about what happened. Mm-hmm. She was still very distressed about it all. Still, as you would be if still like, quite someone hysterical. jumped out and murdered yeah. your husband. Yeah. Now, at this time, Edith was unaware that Frederick Bywaters was already a suspect in the uh, case. Okay. And he had already been arrested and was already at Ilford Police Station. Mm. Now, the police inspector that was interviewing Edith mistakenly told her whether it was mistakenly or whether it was sort of a Trick leading, yeah, yeah. yeah, told her that Frederick Bywaters had already confessed to the well, the murder, I suppose, as it turned out to be. Yeah, Edith then admitted to police that she did know who it was that had killed Percy because obviously she (gasps) recognized Frederick and she agreed that yes, it was in fact Frederick that had killed her husband Percy. Oh no, Shane went on to provide police details with their association. The fact that they'd been having an affair, the fact that he'd been away and come back. So the police carried out searches. They searched Frederick Bywater's place where he lived and they found over 60 letters that Edith had written to him. Wow. Now, these letters are the only tangible evidence that actually linked the two people together. Right, okay. There there were going to be witnesses that uh, would have said, yeah, they've been on holiday together and uh, Mm. they've been seen together and he even lived with them for a while and all that. But in terms of sort of hard evidence, these letters are the only thing that link link the two of them. Okay. So here we are in the early October. Frederick is in custody for the murder and there's no debate about that. Yeah. Um, It's clear cut. He, He killed Percy. So the police took the view that because of the content of some of these letters explaining how she perhaps wanted Percy not to be around anymore, Mm, that she was perhaps culpable for this murder as much as he was. Oh, wow. Okay. In Stratford Magistrates Court, it was decided that the letters could be submitted as evidence. This is right before the trial. Um, The defence argued that in the letters... There was no conversation, no consideration at all about the time, the place, the method, the date, or even the intent for anyone to murder Percy. It was just, they argued that it was just like these romantic ideas of a young woman who who just thought, um, you know, I'd so like to not have this husband so I could spend the rest of my life with you and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, it wasn't like, let's murder him when you get back from the trip. That's right. No, they're nothing like that. (laughs) And the defence argued that there was no 
what is referred to as consideration of common purpose. Okay. That is, if two or more people plot to kill someone, they are all jointly guilty. Okay. If two people plot to kill someone and that person is killed and there's evidence to show that they they discussed it and everything, then they're both guilty and can both be okay. both be tried. But um, the defence claimed that there was no such case. There was no such evidence that led to that. Nevertheless, they were both arrested by the police. They had these letters, and that's what they were going to use in court. Okay. Now, remember, this murder happened on the evening of the 3rd of October. Yep. The trial began on the 6th of December, so like two okay. months later. That's close, yeah. It is close, yeah. Edith Thompson's letters were produced. In some of the letters, she writes how she longs to be free of her husband, how she plans to grind glass into his mashed potatoes. She's not doing herself favours, is she? Well, no, she isn't. How she she plans to poison him. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) She wrote of a woman who had lost three husbands, and she wrote, I can't even lose one. (laughs) Oh dear. So yeah, she's perhaps not doing herself any favours. But yeah, there we go. There was these letters have clearly got some interesting material in them for the yeah. police to seize on and whatever. Now, during the trial, Edith Thompson's barrister urged her not to testify herself. But she disregarded this advice and she was determined to have her day in court to say her piece, okay. to give evidence. Now, the judge is reported to have been quite unsympathetic towards her. Right. uh, And she made a poor impression on the court as she frequently contradicted herself. Mm -mm. Uh, Under cross-examination, she was all over the place. Um, She contradicted the contents of the letters, even though they were there in black and white, literally black and white, to show show everybody. Uh, And she denied she'd ever had thoughts of putting glass or poison in Percy's mashed potatoes or anywhere else. (laughs) The evidence would kind of say otherwise. Well, Percy had already been buried, but I believe they exhumed him and looked for any signs of poison or ground glass or shards of glass, whatever, and there were no signs of any of that at all in him. So No, but she she had said in her letter that that's... What she she had put in the letter that's what did. she yeah. <laughs> that's what she imagined doing yeah was it just fancy fanciful thinking or was it intent mm, well now frederick bywater testified that edith did not know about his plans to jump out on percy that night okay. he especially claimed that he had not intended to kill percy just to scare him a bit because Basically, he wanted Percy to face the facts of the situation, that his okay. wife no longer really loved him and he okay. and she wanted to be with Frederick. So it was his way of sort of drawing attention to it, but he just claimed it got a bit out of hand. Quite basically. a lot out of hand. Yeah, quite a lot out of hand in, in, the, uh, in the fight. Uh, in fact, Frederick Bywater claimed that Percy threatened to shoot him uh, and then, then he lost his temper and that's when the knife came out and yeah but as I say okay. he just he just wanted Percy to consider the situation and perhaps yeah like we said earlier grant a divorce to to Edith yeah. so that they could be together but that wasn't okay. how it turned out no <laughs> 
So here we are. We've got these uh, these two people that wanted to be together. A husband in the way. She was writing letters to to Frederick while he was away for a year doing his merchant mm-hmm. navy duties. He comes home. A fight. A stabbing. Percy's dead, and they have been in court. Now, remember, the trial started on the 6th of December, which I worked out was a Wednesday. The trial ended on Monday, the 11th of December. Oh, wow, OK. So, what, so, four days? Yeah. Now, the jury apparently didn't take long to consider the evidence. They came okay. back and they found that both Frederick Bywaters and Edith Thompson were guilty of the murder wow. of Percy Thompson. And they were both sentenced to death by hanging. Oh, my goodness. Now, this quite the punishment. It is quite the punishment. The case against Frederick Bywaters was never in doubt. In fact, he pretty much admitted it. it. He killed Percy and he was found guilty of that. Fair enough. Today, if you killed someone in a fight, you probably wouldn't. Well, we don't have the death penalty, but... No. It'd probably be manslaughter, wouldn't it? If, well, if it was determined to actually be a fight and it wasn't supposed to be premeditated, yeah. and yeah, it would probably be manslaughter, so you'd probably get less time than yeah. for full blown murder, yeah. <laughs> but no, in this case, um, they gave both of them the death penalty, and the only and the only grounds on which they found her guilty and gave her the death penalty was the contents of these letters. That doesn't seem right. It does not seem right, no. And at the time, it didn't feel right. The story became a sensation. The papers mm-hmm. of the time were full of it. They were full of all sorts of commentary on the behaviour of, of the two of them, in yeah. as much as, you know, some people were very much of the mind that she was the mastermind and and Frederick had carried out her wishes other people thought that she was the victim of sort of a miscarriage of justice because of the flimsy evidence. The, the nation was split. It's tricky, isn't it? Because yeah. it's probably not a coincidence that she was telling this guy that she was having an affair with, that she wanted to get rid of her husband so they could be together. And then he just happened to decide to murder him yeah. so they could be together. But from an evidence point of view, it just doesn't exist, does it? Yeah, like, it doesn't, no. They couldn't convict on that today because the evidence just isn't there. Yeah, yeah. The, those, those letters, the contents doubt. of them, must be circumstantial at best because it's just yeah. like, oh, I, I could do this or I could do that. Like, yeah, okay, I could win the lottery. I'm not going to go win the lottery. Like, there's no... It's not like it was a blueprint for their plan to murder him. If it was that, then that'd be a, it'd be a different story, wouldn't it? But... There's just nothing. It, it's it's flimsy. Flimsy yeah. at best. The nation was divided <laughs> with people in both camps. But when the sentences were announced that both of them were going to hang, there was public outrage. Okay. Nearly one million people signed a petition against the hangings. Now, of a population of 40 million in the UK at the time, that's a pretty high proportion. Yeah, it's a lot of people. Frederick Bywaters was quite admired by the public for his defence, his gallant defence of Edith Thompson, even though she was, as I said, considered by some to be the mastermind behind it all. But despite the petition and a revised confession by Frederick Bywaters, like a statement, if you like, 
mm-hmm. where he again declared that Edith was completely innocent. The Home Secretary at the time refused a reprieve, even though at the time it was thought to be abhorrent to hang a woman. Yeah. So to be hanged for a crime where the evidence against you is flimsy at best yeah. does seem to be yeah, wrong. wrong. Not right at yeah. all. No. It's so final, isn't it? Which may sound stupid, but like if you put into prison for life, then if more evidence came out, then she could be released, couldn't she? But putting her to death, that's that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Now, how long do people stay on death row these days? So 10, 15 years. When I say in in countries where they still have the death penalty, but... uh, Years. Years, years. yeah, where there's all sorts of appeals and, uh, yeah, things go through. So many legal things to jump through, aren't there? Yeah. So, remember, the trial ended on Monday the 11th of December. Mm -hmm. The date of execution was set for the 9th of January. Wow, okay. Less than a month later. And with Christmas in between as well. I know, yeah. Well, at least I got to enjoy Christmas. And her birthday. She had a birthday. Uh, She did, yeah. Christmas and birthday in prison. The last ones. Edith is reported to have been hysterical throughout the time that she was in prison. She was in Holloway prison for okay. women frederick was in pentonville prison which were less than half a mile apart from each other okay in in that part of london frederick went to his execution with dignity and just um yeah took it and was hanged edith on the other hand was as i say hysterical she was uncontrollable in the days up to the execution not eating not sleeping just hysterical in the end, and I find this bit really quite not very nice, they actually sedated her and oh, carried God. her to the gallows. So oh, she no. was pretty much unconscious when she was hanged. That's awful. They were hanged simultaneously at 9am on the morning of the 9th of January, as I say, half a mile from each each other. Now, both of them were buried in the grounds of the prisons in which they were hanged, so... Frederick was buried in the grounds of Penterville Prison, mm-hmm. and he is still there now, okay. his body. Edith was buried in the grounds of Holloway Prison, and she was one of only four women to have been hanged and buried wow. in Holloway. Yeah. That's not very many. It's not very many at all. So I think there's there's so many questions around this whole story and this whole murder. Yeah plot and the, giving the death penalty to her in particular uh just even to him it feels like wrong. a bit excessive because like obviously he killed somebody but yeah. from what he said he didn't mean to kill him it just went wrong but also it was only one person it wasn't like a huge chunk of people and it yeah. was quite quick and swift he didn't you know, like kidnap him and torture him and no no what can you say? <laughs> yeah. That's 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 what happened for right or for wrong. Yeah. Now the story kind of carries on, really, till okay. quite recently. So in 1971, mm-hmm. Holloway Prison went underwent some refurbishment, quite a lot of work. So the decision was made to rebury the bodies of the four women that were okay. in the grounds. So their bodies were dug up from Holloway Prison and they were actually taken to Brookwood Cemetery in Surrey. 
The four bodies were buried together in one grave, apparently in separate coffins. Okay. But uh, nevertheless, they were reinterred away from from the prison. Now, there's this gentleman called René Weiss who has taken a great interest in this case. In fact, in some places, he is described as being Edith Thompson's executor and heir. Oh, right, now, okay. I can't find out how he's related to her in any way. Okay. But nevertheless, um, he has taken a huge interest in this case, and there is an entire website devoted to the whole story of Edith Thompson, which is written basically by René Weiss. He's written many books, being a professor of English, he's written many books over the years, one of them specifically about Edith Thompson. And in 2018, he successfully petitioned for an exhumation order to have her body exhumed from the grave where she was in Surrey, and actually put in the same plot as her parents in the City of London Cemetery. Nice. So that actually happened. On the 20th of November, she was exhumed. Apparently, the remains were easily identified. Okay. Uh, And on the website, the Edith Thompson website, René Weiss goes into quite some detail about how the exhumation took place, how she was put into a new coffin, how he actually went to the funeral directors and saw wow. her remains. Um, wow. Yeah. She was uh, doing mostly skeleton. Well, this, he makes some comment about her hair. Okay. Still being sort of discernible. But yeah, yeah. you'd have thought after, well, 96 years or whatever it was, 95 years, yeah, yeah there wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be much left. But um, it's an interesting read, that website. Okay. That website also includes... Uh, the letters that have been transcribed. Oh, cool. So um, I haven't read all of them. We'll put a link to the website um, in yeah. the show notes. Yeah, we this. can do that. So um, people can yeah. find that and have, have a look at that too. Yeah. So she was exhumed on the 20th. Uh, she was prepared for reburial on the 21st of November, 2018. <laughs> and then on the 22nd of November, she was formally buried alongside her parents which were in accordance with her mother's wishes because her her parents sort of outlived her, obviously, because she was executed at such a young age. Her mother wanted her remains buried beside her, and that's where she is now. Cool. Another interesting fact, I I wondered, I just looked it up, to find out whether or not there'd actually been a pardon for Okay, yeah. There hasn't. So in in law, she's still guilty of murder. Uh, but there was a petition in 2018. Okay. Which is on the UK government petitions website. It's still there, although it's well, closed. The petition says, request HM government, ask the Queen to issue royal pardon to Edith Thompson. And it says how she was drugged and carried unconscious to the gallows in 1920 yeah. for a crime I believe she did not commit. And, it, and so it goes on. I'm not entirely sure who raised the petition. I wouldn't be at all surprised if it was Rennie Bryce. It needed 10,000 signatures to be able to go before Parliament. In the period that the petition was open, it had 35. 
Oh, does it not count that a million people signed a petition like to stop her from being executed? Yeah, like... sort of like hundred years or ninety five yeah. years prior to that. You know, sadly, uh, mm. sadly not. So it's an interesting case. It's a really interesting case. There's a lot of information out there. There are all sorts of podcasts, all sorts of things on YouTube, books, websites, <laughs> all dedicated wow. to Edith Thompson, who yeah. As the story is still going on all this time afterwards, there is it's still controversial whether or not yeah. she should have been found guilty, let alone hanged. Yeah. And hanged in such an awful, awful fashion. Yeah, that's awful. Maybe the judge was just having a bad day when he decided what sentences he was going to give out that day. Such a short trial. Yeah. It all happened so fast. The, really the short trial, trial, really short deliberation. Yeah. From the and jury. Barely a month from yeah. being found guilty to actually being executed. I wonder yeah. what it's almost like they're trying to cover something up. Maybe that's just how things were in those days. You can imagine Maybe, yeah. uh, we were out of the Victorian period, but you can just sort of imagine uh, just a conveyor belt of yeah. <laughs> criminals well, coming before the, it, the judge. So that is the story of Edith Thompson and Frederick Bywaters. Wow, thank you. I'm going to go look at that website and yeah, um, look at the letters and stuff. And that's really interesting. And yeah, interesting to learn about the other women who were buried at Holloway as well. And what did they do and what caused them to be? Okay, there. so the, the website is called Edith Jesse Thompson, all one word, .co.uk. Cool, thank you. I'll um, put the link to that yeah. in the, the show notes. And we'll be able to find it from there. Yeah, there's quite a lot of pictures on that website. There's quite a lot of pictures for us to (laughs) share on our social pages as well. But yeah, there's a lot of pictures actually. Albums of pictures. Wow! wow. (laughs) Pictures of the exhumation. Yeah, and there's the uh, there's a whole section about the exhumation funeral. Yeah, how all that came about. There's a lot of information here. I definitely yeah have a so much but it's a story i wasn't at all familiar with no but i suppose it's like anything once you start looking <laughs> you find yeah. so much yeah definitely it's a really interesting story i can't believe that we're still finding these stories that we've never heard of that are so fascinating yeah and there's just so many of them yeah that's a really interesting one it, it feels like a complete miscarriage of justice really it really does maybe we should relaunch the petition too far Listeners Maybe. can uh, get it back to 100,000 yeah. and uh, yeah, <laughs> all, all, all the listeners that we have. Just for interest, the so the other three women that were buried with Edith Thompson in the grave in Surrey were Stylu Christoffi, Amelia Sack and Annie Waters. Okay. There's stories behind all of those. So there we go. I'll put pictures on our Instagram page, which you can find at... Dad and Daughter Do Death. And on our Facebook page... Just search dad and daughter do death. If you'd like to talk to us about this case, perhaps discuss the resurrection of the petition mm, yeah. <laughs> or any other information that you'd like to share with us about anything you've heard in any of our podcasts, you can contact us by email at dad and daughter do death at gmail.com. And if you have been enjoying these episodes and listening to us, please do subscribe or give us a like or uh, give us a star rating or even a little comment. If you fancy, we'd love to hear from you. Share with your friends and families. Yes. And uh, thank you very much for listening to us. And yeah, sticking thank with you us very much. Yes, indeed. <laughs> 
So join us again next time. We're once again, Dad. And daughter, do death. <laughs>